Dear football, I've missed you. It's been a really long offseason. Every day I talk about you, every day I think about you, you with your crunching pads, eye black, face masks, and crowd roars, the drum line, the tailgates, the cannon blasts, which startle me every time, flipping cheerleaders, painted faces, and unexpected highs and lows of every season. I've been in love with you my whole life, and now you're back. Welcome back, football. <laughs> Hello, Jerem. We'll do some dancing lessons probably on one of our off days. Yeah. Don't let facts get in the way of a good story. It doesn't bother me. It bothers Jerem <laughs> like you have no idea. <laughs> this is one of the dumbest questions we've ever asked. Sir Dunks-a-Lot. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited. Boom, baby! This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play, I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who is truly authentic, Jerem Jordan. He had the opportunity to go one-on-one with a couple of BYU players yesterday after the first day of fall camp, including the incumbent running back starter, Lopini Katoa. Does Lopini expect to be the guy when game one rolls around? And how's he feeling after that surgery to repair a meniscus tear? Jerem Jordan, BYU Sports Nation All Access at BYU Football Fall Camp. Caleb Pini, day one in the books. Uh, how did it go? It was great. Day one, everybody's always excited. There's a lot of energy. It's easy to be happy to be out here finally in, you know, in our helmets playing football. So it was a fun day. What defines a successful first fall camp practice? I think just to see our, our summer work carry over. Like the basics that we've been working on, just to see those go smooth, um, that's like a successful day in my mind, and I think we, we saw that for sure. PRPs or player-run practices are happening throughout the summer, right, and a little bit of time off in July, but is this a time where you go, okay, we're doing the same stuff, but in front of the coaches now, let's make sure we do this well so they can see what we've been doing? Exactly, yeah. It was We've been doing this for a while, you know, so to do it sped up, a little more pressure, a little more game-like, you know, to see it carry over is the goal, so it was awesome. This is your third season at BYU. You were a redshirt and then a freshman. Uh, you're a redshirt sophomore, I think, right? Yeah, redshirt sophomore. How does this, uh, I guess, first day compare to the other ones you've had here? Uh, it's, it's a lot different. I feel like I have a lot more confidence in what we're doing as an offense. You know, second year in this offense, um, I'm, I'm able to understand a little bit deeper of what we're doing, so I feel a lot, a lot more confident. Is the playbook similar enough to where you, you pick it up and, and these additions are, are easily digestible as opposed to last year where it's like, okay, we had spring, but this is a new offense? Right. Yeah, it's, if there's additions, you know, it's something that we're building off of or, you know, I'm used to already. It's not like a whole new playbook, so it's been really easy to pick up the new stuff. How much is newly installed in fall camp versus we did this in spring and we've kind of been reviewing it on our iPads and whatnot? Yeah, uh, I think it just depends. Like practice to practice, sometimes there'll be more plays than we're used to or, you know, we'll be familiar with some plays. So it's really a day-to-day thing, I feel like. Where, is, where are the plays uh, in a playbook for you guys? Is it on an, the iPad? Yeah, we have electronic, yeah. How often do you review that to make sure, okay, I know exactly what this is called and where I'm supposed to be and whatnot? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> I like at night before bed, you know, just and then before right before practice, as much as I can. Like, I just want to be automatic. I don't have to think about it. For some people, that takes more study. For others, it's like, just get it. How is it for you? Uh, I feel like I, I'm somebody who, who thinks a lot. And so for me, you know, even if I may have it, you know, I just review it over and over because I just don't want to question it, you know. So I'm going to be maybe a little, a little overly, you know, <laughs> anxious about it. So I always review it a lot. 
Uh, Zach Wilson mentioned on Media Day, hey, I expect us to score every drive. And Jeff Grimes has said, hey, we don't want to hope we score 50. We want to expect to score 50. So in what way is this offense more explosive in year two of Jeff Grimes? Uh, I think we already saw it today in practice. Like, There's a lot more explosive plays. Um, you know, the quarterbacks and receivers are more comfortable with each other, so naturally they're, they're connecting more. Um, we're more comfortable with our running track, so it's, it's easy to run behind our line too. So like, naturally we're just getting better, so those explosive plays are coming. Is it just me or is this O-line really good? Oh, no, they're really good. They're really good. They're really good, yeah, yeah for sure. And you bring back everybody but uh, Austin Hoyt, so there's continuity there, right? Right, yeah, it's awesome. They're connected. They, they, they do everything together. They have their like own little language i feel like as a lineman i don't know they, they just know each other's humor they're a good little group it's good so what they say or it's not like pig latin or something what do you say they did, i don't know like i think, feel like they only laugh at their own jokes like i don't get what they're saying half the time but i guess it's funny to them like my dad and i think i do it too i have to laugh because no one else did whatever um how are you feeling coming off the meniscus tear uh against new mexico state i feel good i feel 100 percent um Luckily, like, that's not a super big deal, um, but I'm just going to stay ahead of it, you know, make sure that it doesn't, you know, come and flame back up or whatever. So I'm just going to stay on top of it. Zach Wilson's on a pitch count, a throw count, if you will. But uh, how did he fare in uh, day one coming off the torn labrum surgery? I think he looks good. Um, he may have that injury, but, you know, his presence on the field is still felt no matter what. Uh, he's just a good, you know, his confidence, his swagger he brings to their offense is great. The dude played with a torn labrum in his throwing shoulder last year, and he's going to play with one in his off shoulder. Is, is that nuts? I didn't even know that, honestly, so it's cool to see how he just played through it. He just played through it. It's crazy. And in theory, you might have played through the meniscus against New Mexico State, right? Yeah, I have no idea <laughs> when I tore that. Play, Sounds yeah. better, I guess, yeah. that I played through it. So, yeah. Jaron Hall had a great spring. Um, how did he look today? He looked good. Yeah, he's, he's a playmaker. He can tuck it and run when he needs to, like, and he's, he brings that same confidence and, and swagger that, that Zach can bring, so it's great to have them both back there competing. How do you manage, quote, fake football, the first five practices where you don't have pads but you're trying to get stuff done? Uh, I think mainly, like, we just got to play smart with our defense. Like, um, main thing today, they just said they didn't want anybody on the ground, you know. Main thing is we just want to stay healthy before game one. And I think we did that really well today, just protecting each other, understanding, like, we're just fitting up, really. But you make the most out of it, get the fundamentals down. In your mind without tackling, when you catch the ball and a guy comes up and grabs you, you obviously go by him for, like, 10 more yards, right? Even though you don't actually know. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, we broke the tackle for sure. And I, and <laughs> every time. Yeah, every time. <laughs> um, what, what are some of the goals with fall camp specifically with this group, given how many guys like yourself are coming off an injury, you have a big game, you want to get ready, yet you don't want to get re-injured, right? Right. Uh, I think the coaches understand that, and, and we understand that, and we just know we got to do our part with treatment and um, just being smart, and I think we'll be, we'll be fine. I want to apologize to you for something I said on media day. I said in the hallway your, your, your haircut looked like Kairos Tonga. You didn't like that. Do you accept my apology? Yeah, I accept it. I mean, I no offense to Kairos, but he's not the guy I want to look like as of right now at least. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was playing. That's, that's, that's a defensive comment. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, best of luck the rest of fall camp, and uh, appreciate the time, Lopini. Thank you. Wow, shots fired across the bow, huh? Yeah. Uh, again, I just apologize to him for uh, that. You know, I think Kyrus is a good-looking dude, though. I like Kyrus's hair. Yeah. Slash, I don't want to tick off Kyrus in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> ever. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now is the BYU Basketball Coordinator of Strategy and Analytics, Video Coordination. His name is Nathan Bubis. He left LeBron and the Lakers so that he could come to Provo and help BYU basketball get things right. <laughs> He's Kyrie with a better attitude. Yes. <laughs> Nathan, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Okay. For those that aren't aware of what the coordinator of strategy and analytics does, give us a brief description of what you do on a day-to-day basis yeah. for BYU Hoops. Yeah, so first and foremost, a lot of it's kind of just video. So during the season, it'll be a lot of scouting, opponent scouting, and self-scouting. So getting ourselves better, and right now it's a lot of player development. We're in uh, summer workouts. So just how can our guys get better through film? Our coaches sit down and watch film with them. So it's kind of just a collection of, of different tasks, but kind of just – any of the video stats organization of kind of like a lot of our thoughts into the best and most efficient way for our coaches, players to operate. What was enticing about taking this job, a place where you had little to no connection, but wanted an opportunity to be here? Yeah. Was just really excited about kind of the first year coach, you know, coach Pope has been awesome. And just like the excitement of that. And then just like a place that's really high, high level. Like they, this is like they operate, we operate at an enormous like level compared to our peers and everybody else. Like there's, this is as high majors. It comes from a facility standpoint, from uh, like how we spend and and how we want to succeed, you know, long term. Like this is. You know, we're, we're, we've got goals that are the same as everybody else in the nation. You were at Boston College. Did you go to Boston College? Went to Boston College, okay, gotcha. yep, and then was a graduate assistant there for two years, so spent six six years there. Gotcha. How does it compare to a program like that that was, I want to say, in the Big East back in the day? Yeah, they the were ACC, Big East now, and then right? into the ACC. And uh, and so just, like, being in that conference, you're kind of – it's a high-level feel because of, like, you're playing at Duke, at Carolina. They come to your place, so mm-hmm. – it's also high major. It's just kind of different. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in our conference, it's a little different, but we stand out among our peers in our conference. How did you find out about this job? Yeah, kind of a connection from a Boston College assistant coach that I worked for, one of my mentors, uh, Bill Wazinski. Him and Coach uh, Burgess were friendly with each other. And then uh, so the two of them were kind of talking and then – Guess name was brought up and started talking to Coach Burgess, started talking to Coach Pope, Coach Robinson, Coach Fieger, and and just kind of went from there and kind of really really liked it. Just How does Provo, the Utah, compare to Boston? It's a little different. Um, <laughs> right now, the summers are a little bit better. It's not as humid. Like you can walk outside and, and without sweating immediately, which has been kind of nice. Uh, it's just kind of it, you know it's just kind of getting used to small towns. You got every every chain here which is great you know <laughs> so i've enjoyed the jimmy johns's each night very nice it's uh freaky fast I yeah think. yeah it's awesome okay so how is your traditionally this the video coordinator did certain things right yeah. but you're the director of analytics and strategy so how does that vary or how is that different than just yeah video I, I think it's a pretty similar role i think video coordinators across the nation and at nba teams at all at all levels are undervalued because of kind of just their role and just kind of like the coaches' minds are sometimes all over the place because they have so much to do, like between communicating with the players, coaching on the floor, recruiting, kind of just the gamut. So just kind of that role kind of just helps them organize all their thoughts from a computer standpoint, so whether it's video stats. So where this my role may differ in a little bit is, is just I think I'm fortunate enough to have 
a, a little bit more say, you know, just kind of in helping with the scouting and the process and what kind of our, what our offense is going to look like, what our defense is going to look like. So, uh, and then also from an analytic standpoint, like these stats are important and this is why, and then kind of explaining why the stats maybe that they've used in the past, why those may not be as important. So just kind of feeling that out. Let's go there. So what traditional stats don't matter versus which ones matter? Yeah, I think one of the big ones is just kind of general field goal percent and field goal shooting. Like you see it broken up between field goals and then three-point shots. So just kind of the, the simple math to just subtract the threes out of the total field goals and get the twos and just separate those two. And it's not all in your traditional box score, two-point field goals. But I think it's just really it's indicative, because especially with where the game's going, shots at the basket are basically twos. So that percent should be pretty high. So there's there's how high should it be? It should be in like the sixties, okay. sixty to seventy range at the basket. Now mid range gets mixed in, so you want to look at like teams that are shooting like really high percent. Like we want to be shooting really high twos percentage because that means we're taking good twos and we're making our good twos. So just kind of separating that one is a simple one that I think it gets lost on people. And Ken Palm is kind of a leader has led that charge for years. Oh yeah. We know Ken Palm. He's, yep. he's a friend of the Ken. show. There you go. Like City yeah. He's the best. He's a so. friend of the show. Nathan Bubis, BYU basketball coordinator of strategy and analytics with us on BYU sports nation. You were most recently working in the NBA with the Lakers. Yep. What did you learn there? that you didn't know before you got there that you bring to BYU that's going to make the Cougars program yeah. unique. Yeah, what's different about the NBA is that you kind of – like you have such a bigger staff, so everybody's jobs are so specific. So you're able to really hone in on exactly what you do. Like instead of having a director of ops that kind of touches on everything, you literally just have a person that coordinates the food, and you have a person that coordinates the travel. Like each specific role, and so then you're able to do it in a grander and bigger fashion. But then at the same time, it's all basketball. Like – we're doing the same things, like the same drills that you see in high school, they do at the NBA. The same stats we look at, they look at. Like, it's the it's 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 kind of that combination of like, and then kind of seeing how to manage a large staff too. Like, what goes into that? Because it, it, managing a lot of people is hard, and you don't really realize that until you see it. You know, when you have a staff of fifteen coaches or something. What stats did LeBron look at primarily? Uh I don't know exactly what stats he would look at. He was always. Uh, really interested in everything, though. He's he's unbelievably smart. So whether asking questions about what this scout would look like from a coach or how we should play this and percentages of which way people drive and stuff, he's always cutting edge. Are there any? Does anybody in the NBA ignore this ideology, or has everyone embraced it? Because, like you said, in 2019, we just have more information. It's not like in baseball; it's yeah. not just batting average. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, we have so many things available now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still really important. While the stats are vital and everything, it's really important to have context with it. So it's just another data point. But people got to understand that data points are also like how coaches feel. Like. I've done this in the past, and it has worked. So, like, that matters. And so from our, our job is to just kind of here's the data and then the coach to kind of look at it all and say, hey, that doesn't work because X, Y, Z. You know, I just know that these guys don't like playing together. I know you say that it's better, but it just doesn't work. Because, the numbers show us Because this. when we bring in our bench or something, you know, the example is like plus minus people look at. But in reality, if you're a bench guy and you have a really good or bad plus minus, you might be playing against starters or you mm-hmm. might be playing against their even worse bench. So you kind of have to look at that and how they stagger minutes. And so you, it's just 
kind of constantly taking content. So I think there, to NBA teams, kind of there's a spectrum of like how much context they take in. I think yeah. it's the best way. to Okay, work. so when uh, Brad Pitt comes in to play Mark Pope, <laughs> is Jonah Hill going to play your role in this version of BYU basketball? I hope so. I hope so. That'd be great. <laughs> now, Nick Robinson mentioned that you're good at identifying current players yeah. on the roster and yep. comparing them to NBA guys. So let's go through a few of BYU's marquee yeah, players and absolutely. who they compare to, who they relate yeah. to in the NBA. Let's start with the guy that wasn't supposed to be here and then came back, Yoli Childs. Yeah, uh, I think one of the first ones is Draymond Green. That kind of comes to mind, and mm. that's kind of how we want to, how he's going to try and step up his game this year, kind of the way he handles in transition and just kind of the effort and energy that he plays with, I think is something that is he can watch and learn from and and uh and then another one that uh that's been really uh like kind of a Jay Crowder kind of type with this spacing of the floor as Yoli kind of spaces the floor more and and starts shooting it and and spacing the way you know the way Utah the Jazz space it really well and then uh, another one is kind of Al Horford because of his mid-range mm. abilities Al Horford's a great mid-range shooter and Yoli is also What about Jake Toulson? Jake uh one of my favorite comps has been in the staffs has been Bradley Beal, kind of like the way he comes off screens yep. and, and kind of watching. A lot of these are kind of watching them to be like them because they have the skill set to do that. Sure. And so for him, I think that he can be that elite shooter coming off screens and shooting off the dribble too. Jake's also a really good off the dribble shooter. A 180 guy. Oh, yes. He's exactly. unique, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's really, really impressive. Okay, what about... The Red Mamba, TJ Haas. That's what we call him. Yeah. I mean, TJ's ability to pass kind of and see the floor is, is kind of Rondo-esque. Mm. But he's plays quicker. So, like, um, it's it's uh, like Rubio kind okay. of. But okay. if Rubio had a shot, too. <laughs> like, not a shot at Rubio. He's an unbelievable player. but it, uh, And he does shoot it better. But he kind of has a lot of everything, yes. TJ. So, uh Kind of those those two with his ability to kind of see the floor and then kind of a, a C.J. McCollum-esque with the shooting with that and kind of um, – I'm not sure he's quite – you know, Lillard kind of is ball dominant. I think T.J. can have not have the ball always in his hands like C.J. So. Gotcha. Gavin Baxter. Yeah, Gavin's athleticism is, is off the charts. So I think any of those guys – he's maybe not, not the same height, but like a Clint Capella-type mm-hmm. role – is is where something he can watch and learn from. But I also think he can also start to kind of stretch the floor and shoot it a little bit too, so kind of doing that also. But kind of the Clint Capella, Rudy Gobert type of inside presence defensively and offensively where, you know, if you have tag off of him like and he rolls to the basket untouched, could probably going to be two points. All right, let's do one more. Connor Harding. Connor Harding. Uh, Ooh, uh, probably – Kind of slashing scoring type, like a Gordon Hayward almost, like like Jazz Gordon Hayward or uh, yeah, the best version of Gordon Hayward, which is coming. Sensitive around these no. parts, yeah. yeah. So, uh, kind of that type, kind of a do it all. Uh, Andre Iguodala is another one that kind of comes to mind, like just whatever you need, like you need a defensive stop, like we're going to Andre Iguodala, and that's like and, and Gordon Hayward when he is a very good defender too when he's at his peak, and so I think that kind of type, but then just kind of like he can score, he can shoot, he can do everything. So uh, those are kind of two of the ones that come to mind. This has been fascinating. Yeah. Really entertaining conversation. 
You go by Nathan or Nate. Either one. Whichever you prefer. <laughs> Nate or Nathan Bubis. BYU it's already Nate Austin. So yeah. maybe Nathan just for separate. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have yeah. a nickname you want us to call him? Uh, we'll just, just go with Nate. We'll just go with Nate. A lot of nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Hey, great stuff. Yeah. Um, we would love for you to sign our awesome. Uh, We've flag. never asked a, a video coordinator to do this. I'm honored. So this is I'm a big more deal than honored. Let's see if I can step down right here. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Awesome. Nathan Very, Bubis with us on BYU Sports Very Nation. interesting. I love the progressive push of BYU to go this direction. Awesome. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. All right, Kairos, uh, we're back at it. The offseason's over. Uh, what are your emotions like? Is Okay, the season's right here. We're excited. I think everyone came out juiced. Um, everyone jumping around. Offense excited, defense excited, special teams. So everyone's excited right now. Are you more excited that the offseason's over or that the season's around the corner? They're related. Yeah, yeah, I think just the season's just around the corner for me. So 29 days away, so it's, it's coming fast. He's got the count. He might watch the show to get the countdown. I like that. I like that. Is there a, a higher sense of urgency given that Utah's the first game? Um, I think there's a lot of juice that goes, goes behind it, but we've been – We've been at it the, the same since January. Um, ever since our season ended, we just kept the same energy. Uh, I think it's just a, it's a rivalry game, so a lot of people are pumped for it. Have you rewatched that game? I mean, yeah. It, it's hard to watch. It, it's just super hard to watch, but it's things you learn from and things uh, that you need to fix so that we don't ever have that happen in the future. Were you hoping to be outside today? It ended up raining a bunch in Utah County. Yeah, I was, I was hoping to be outside. I don't like being in here. Why not? I feel suffocating. <laughs> Can't breathe. It is a little stuffy in here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about you. Um, on media day, you said you had lost some weight. So um, last year you came in a little over the weight. I think you wanted to be out. So what, do, what are you at right now, and how has that compared to your goal? I'm at 320. I came in at 350, and I feel I've, it's a nine-day difference today being able to run with the offense. Um, I feel great. The coaches want me right here. So uh, it's about me maintaining and keeping the weight uh, so that I can execute the place. Keeping it down? Yes, sir. Okay. So you're, you're saying you're 30 pounds lighter than last fall. Yes, sir. Wow. How have you been able to shed that much weight? I think just eating right, uh, working out. Uh, the strength staff has done an amazing, uh, an amazing job of just keeping track of me and making sure that I'm doing the right stuff at the right time. So. Talking to Kairos Tonga, weight-shedding expert here on BYU Sports Nation. What's the key to shedding that much weight nutritionally? There's some people that want to know the key. Don't eat pizza <laughs> and stay off the sweets. Okay. That's my two cents. Fewer carbs uh, and, and fewer greens. sugar. A lot more greens. Okay, I like that. I like that. The rice and chicken, too? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about you. Uh, junior season, what are some of your goals? What are you hoping to be better at this season? Uh, just, to, just to work on my, uh, my endurance. Uh, being able to, to last longer in the games, not just come out with four plays, but continue to stay out there when my team needs me and not come out in crucial moments uh, when, when we're late in the game and I have to come out because I'm tired. But just continue to work on that and um, have fun. So if you're real tired on a play, are you the one that taps out? Is that how that works? Uh, they, we have a guy that uh, is pretty good at rotating, but like 
it's like if you notice, like Corbin and Shonen Takitaki last year, they stayed in the whole game. They just tell their guys, like, hey, no, I'm not. I'm trying to be like that. But if I see someone coming in, I'll, I'll take the water. But <laughs> I need to work on it. So. Hey, there's a reason those two are in the NFL, right? Yes, sir. That's true. Um, let's talk about your group. Who who in your group do you feel like has worked really hard and is ready to shine this year that maybe hasn't before? I think the the whole group has stepped up. I think Lorenzo, um, he's a guy that, that comes to my mind. Um, he's been working super hard, and he's lost a lot of weight. Um, you told him how to do it? No, nah, he, he's already a fit guy, so he just looks good. He's uh, Today he was explosive, uh, just doing the right things. Uh, I'm excited for him and the season he's about to have. And El Bakri is one guy coming off an injury. Um, he looks super good, and we're just excited to have them. How do you guys handle, and uh, I don't know that you can contain Bracken El Bakri's uh, energy and personality. It is amazing. Yeah, I think we're just used to it now. I know, like, everyone loves it. Everyone loves it, but it's just it's normal now to us. We love it still, yeah. but it's just like a normal thing to hear him loud at 7 in the morning. It's just a normal thing. Is he always juiced? Is there any time he's not? That's not challenge, maybe? <laughs> yeah, that's not challenge, yeah. That's probably the only, the only time, yeah. Give us a sense of uh, what the offense looked like today. And I don't know if you're like a, you know what, we showed them down guy or if you're like, no, they were good. The offense was good. I'm, a, I'm excited. I'm a big fan of the offense, uh, especially the old line. Uh, they've been working hard um, this whole offseason. And for them to come out and, and play, we don't have pads on right now, so it's kind of hard. It's kind of fake football. Sure. So come Friday, I'm pretty sure they're going to bring it. So I'm excited for them. Who's the guy in the interior on the line that you match up with the most? That's like, oh, I gotta go up against this guy. It's James and Tristan. I'm just, I'm in dead center of them, mm-hmm. so it's, it's hard, man. One guy is just one of the best centers in the in college, and the other guy is just a, a big man. So uh, it makes me better. It's it's good because they they do good for me out here and now. I go in their games and uh, it really shows. So. Alexis Tuyaki's talked about how if we can get a rush, a good rush with four, that's going to change the game. What are some of the keys to making that happen this season? I think just being dom- uh, dominating as a, as a D-line. We just need to continue not to give up, uh, use our hands, use our feet, and um, get to the ball. I think uh, if we can just do that with four guys, we can let our linebackers be free, let them play, let them play the game, and uh, we'll have a lot of turnovers. Okay, Cougar Nation's excited about this season. What? Go ahead and look into that camera. What do you want to tell them? Uh, go Cougs. <laughs> That's it. A man, a few words and more tackles. Kairos, appreciate the time, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Kairos Tonga, still big, but leaner and meaner than last fall camp. 30 pounds! That's a lot, dude. That's a lot. Fantastic. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Last weekend, the Dave Rose and Jimmer Fredette coached squad Team Fredette won their first game, lost the second in the basketball tournament in West Valley, just outside of Salt Lake City. Now, despite the loss, Lauren McLean spoke with Jimmer's dad, Al Fredette, his brother TJ, and of course, Jimmer himself to discuss where he's been and what's next for the BYU legend. Let's go Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. 
for him to be able to, after college, after that great career at BYU, to be able to go on and continue to play. It's, uh, you know, kind of like a father's dream come true, you know, so. Hey, at Bordeaux Live. In many ways, it's like, I feel like I'm doing it myself. Like, I kind of lived through him. Good shot, baby. Good shot, too. Good shot, good shot, too. idea of Team Fredette? You know, we, we saw this, this tournament started, uh, you know, four or five years back. And, uh, you know, first couple of years we kind of watched it. And then we went and got some, some guys together. And it's been a cool thing and uh, a lot of fun for us as a family. And uh, we have a lot of good friends that come and, and watch and play and participate. Help, 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 help. Because they're killing us half court. We got to get out and run when he gets stops. Al, you're, I mean, you're the dad. So who's, who's really in charge? Of the three of you. Uh, well, Lindsay. <laughs> okay. Lindsay's in charge. <laughs> and my wife. So those two are the ones that are in charge. So what's your role in, in Team Fredette? Uh, just to be a supporter. Okay. To try to help well, anywhere I can. Not get technicals. <laughs> what about you? What's your role in this? So I'm the GM. So okay. I put the roster together, recruit the players, um, get a sponsor. It's a full-time job. There's a lot yeah. that goes into this. So, Jim, are you headed to Greece? You know, we just felt like Greece was uh, was a good situation for us at this point. You know, it's somewhere where, you know, Whitney wanted to be and, and uh, you know, be able to come over there and live with us a little bit more. And, you know, obviously it's in the EuroLeague, which is, you know, the best league in the world besides the NBA. So great competition. And it's kind of just a, a, fresh, a fresh new start for me and something I haven't done before. So I want to go out there and, and try to improve myself again and, and keep playing and keep working hard. So it was a, a good fit at this point. What was your two reaction when you heard... Jim was headed to Greece after China. I've seen China for three years. Yeah. Been nice, but I, I see Greece and Europe would be wonderful. And I think it's a good fit for him, like yeah. you said, and his family. So that's the big thing. I want to see an opportunity for him to play in front of an atmosphere that was similar to BYU. So for him to be able to play at that kind of stage and also have an opportunity to win something because his team is really good, I think that's something that he hasn't really had an opportunity to do as a pro. Are you going to be playing against Brandon Davies? Yeah, yeah. So we're in the same league. We're in the Euro League both together. How's that going to be? It'll be fun. I'm sure we'll have uh, some dinner beforehand and uh, <laughs> then compete on the court. And, you know, I'm going to try to beat him, of course. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less. Do you, do you have a nickname yet in Greek? Uh, no, not yet. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they've probably thought of some things, and I'm sure as I get over there here, I don't understand Greek yet, but I'm excited. We'll see. There's a lot, I mean, I've had thousands of messages from fans already, so I'm excited to, to get over there. I got a little nickname for him, though. Even though it's not Rome, it's, it's close, okay. so we call him Julius Threezer. <laughs> Julius Threezer, that's the new one we're taking. How has it been for you seeing Jimmer on his whole journey from the NBA to China and now Greece? For a parent, it's amazing. You know, since he was just a little kid and see his games and, and have a lot of fun doing that. And then for him to be able to, after college, after that great career at BYU, to be able to go on and continue to play and to, you know, play in the NBA and play in China and now in Greece, it's, uh, you know, kind of like a father's dream come true. You know, So it's been amazing for us. TJ, I know you had a, a big hand in kind of getting Jimmer where he's at right now. What's it been like for you seeing him through his journey? In many ways, it's like I feel like I'm doing it myself. Like, I kind of lived through him because I always wanted to play basketball at a professional level, and I, it, it wasn't going to work out for me. Don't let all 
go. But seeing him do it and having able to have been a part of it, it, it's like the next best thing. And in some ways, it's even better watching him. And I feel like I'm out on the court when I watch him a lot of times. So it's extremely special. You know, in that moment, Jimmer was like, I want to be on the court playing so much right now. Yeah, oh. he's, he's worth too much, though, now. Yeah. Brandon Davies and Jimmer for that last year were playing in this tournament, and they got too good. Yeah, uh, Julius Threeser. That's the best line of the entire segment. <laughs> is Jimmer the next Julius Threeser? That's fantastic. <laughs> it's different, different area of yeah. the yes. other country, right? <laughs> Everybody loves lists, and we've got the next top 10 for you, courtesy of Jerem Jordan. He's stepping away ten from his... In 10 weeks, it's Jerem, 10 and 10. Yes, it is, Spencer. We are anxious to get to it. Thank you for stepping away from your synchronized diving and coaching there. It's time to go. Well, it is uh, my wide receivers and tight ends, the top 10 BYU will face. Number 10. Mitch Guller, wide receiver, Idaho State. They did it! He's the only Bengal represented on any of these lists. He's an All-American FCS player. He had 20 yards per catch last year, 9 touchdowns, 62 total grabs for 1,200 yards. He needs 225 yards to become the all-time leading receiver in school history. He'll be 27 this November, which is a huge advantage. Wait, what? He played minor league baseball for five seasons. A couple of things. One, don't sleep on Idaho State. And two, he's the best receiver that the Bengals have had since Madison Mango. There you go. Nice drop. Number nine, Mitchell Wilcox, tight end South Florida. The senior nearly went pro last year after a first-team all-ack season with school records of 43 catches and 540 yards. Both would have led BYU, by the way. Wow. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, what? Number eight, Antonio Gandy-Golden, wide receiver, Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. The Gandy man can. Back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Last season, he put up 245 at Nuevo Mexico, 205 at UMass. Second most yards per game among returning pass catchers on BYU's. Life, Liberty, and the pursuit of touchdowns. Every time we talk about a Liberty player, I just get more and more worried about when BYU has to play a road game against Liberty. They are a sneaky team. They've got a, a good little trio, right? They'll lose a couple of these guys before they play at Liberty, though. Number seven, John Hightower, wide receiver, Boise State. Explosive receiver, eight touchdowns on 39 touches last season. Six plays of 40-plus, 16 yards per catch. He's got to be playing against Dian Gawoliku, most likely. Cannot wait to watch that matchup. And then Dian will intercept it and run by a kind of skewed, curvy line down the sideline again? Well, it's it's in Provo, (laughs) so the sideline will be pristine and perfect. Yes, next year. Number six, Britton Covey, wide receiver, Utah. As a sophomore, he had 60 catches for a team-high 637 yards. Torres ACL and meniscus in the Pac-12 title game. Dynamic in space, good kick returner. But will he be ready for August 29th since he tore his ACL and meniscus in December? Yeah, that's the thing. I, Britton's a good player, and I keep asking myself, why is he not at BYU? But I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have because BYU will be his first game back. That's a tough situation. Number five, Marquez Callaway, wide receiver, Tennessee. Led the Volunteers with 592 yards, 16 yards a catch, and two touchdowns in 2018. Went for 50-plus in seven games last season, including two for 98 against Missouri. This dude is a baller. Admittedly, 
I'm very concerned about what BYU does against him in Knoxville in early September. Most of the teams BYU will play this year will have one guy that you got to keep an eye on as a wide receiver, right? The uh, the Hail Mary against Kentucky was a huge play. Number four, Randall St. Felix, wide receiver, South Florida. 21 yards a catch was eighth in the country. 679 yards total, four touchdowns. He had six grabs for 165 in the Gasparilla Bowl. Stretcher of defenses. He could be USF's first 1,000-yard receiver ever. What did you say? Fix it, Felix. He's that guy for USF. He might fix that offense that, well, that team that lost six, six in a row. Six in a row. Yeah. Actually, seven in a row. Yeah. Number seven, or number three. Where? Amon Ra, St. <laughs> Brown. I love this name. USC. This uniquely named receiver had 60 catches, 750 yards receiving, three touchdowns as a freshman. At Texas last year in his third game of college football, had nine grabs for 167 yards. Went 10 for 94 against a playoff team, Notre Dame, to finish the season. He's one of two NFL receivers on this USC team. The second, I believe, will be coming up shortly. Well, they might have three. I left Tyler Vaughn's off the list. He could be on this list. Number two, Aaron Fuller, wide receiver, Washington. 5'11", 183-pounder, led the Huskies, 58 catches, 874 yards, four touchdowns. Put up a hundy in four games, notably against Auburn, Utah, BYU, and UCLA. Top 10 in the pack in receiving yards and yards per catch. Say hello to Jacob Eason's best friend. And the top receiver BYU will play in 2019 is Michael Pittman Jr., wide receiver, USC. Pittman led the Trojans with 758 yards, six touchdowns. Led the Pac-12 with 18.5 yards per catch, top 10 in the other two. Went over 100 yards in three of the last five games, including six for 155 and two scores against Colorado in October. Can he lead USC against BYU in that perceived trap game? Can Because the wide receivers for USC are easily they're, the best in the Pac-12. They're the best group BYU will face. Yes. This year, by far. Oh. What wide receiver and tight end. Yeah. USC's loaded. At, they're always loaded at wide receiver, right? I only had two Trojans on this list. I could have put Tyler Vaughn's on this list, um, who's really good. He had 115 for 1483 the last two years. He's good. So why do we think BYU has a good shot to beat USC again? Just because, because of the it's, placement it's, of the schedule? Well, someone has to snap the ball and throw the ball. <laughs> and they have to defend, right? Okay. Because USC went 5-7. and seven Yeah. Yeah. With those numbers, they still want five and seven at wide receiver. Wild, right? How yeah, about there, that? There are actually three sides of the ball. How about that? Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Joining us now, a guy who will always shoot his shot on the airwaves, Greg Rebell. Just a guy from Alberta and one of our favorites. Welcome back to the show, Greg. Hello, guys. Good morning. One month it's, away from football. Uh, you mean one day away? Uh, practice is tomorrow. This is very... Yeah. I, yeah. I know it's practice, and I get excited, and then it's like, okay, we have a couple weeks, but it's exciting that we're... The offseason is over. We're talking about practice. Not yes, a game. We are. Not a game. Not a game. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess uh, um, it, it's a good thing that no matter how old I get, and I'm getting really old, um, there's still uh, a stirring, you know, at this, at this time of year. You know, it feels good. 
to know that we'll be out there watching actual football and uh, and noting alignments and 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 formulating our own personal depth charts and memorizing numbers and all these things <laughs> that go into getting ready for a season. I love it. There's jersey math. Like you remember John, it, John by the way on. did this yeah. where it's it's like, "Oh, so Lee Kamard minus uh Eli Herring is whatever." Doing yeah. that in my head all camp yeah. long. Yeah. Uh, on a, you did another interview this morning. I'm just reading on Twitter. Greg Rubel says getting to eight wins would be indicative of a successful season for BYU. Do you, you feel like that's that's uh, a, a lot? Well, I, I actually think that that playing in a bowl game means you've been, had a, had a pretty good season with this schedule that that they put together, and and eight wins is more than seven, so it means you you progressed from last year. So those are all good things. Yeah, I mean we all want more. Uh, you know, uh, not, not that you're setting your bar super low, but I think if you just get to the postseason, you've been a pretty good team with this year's schedule. And then beyond that would be great. I, yeah. I think we've we've said the goal, yeah, is eight plus, And then the stretch goal is like crazy, like 10. Right, which yeah. would be crazy. And, and really, and we'll be able to see just how crazy it is after, we, after you get through those first four games. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's more than a four-game schedule, but there's a lot of reasons that, that those first four games carry the weight they do. Um, you, you, you don't have to read a whole lot about each of those programs to know that beating any one of them would, would be an accomplishment. Yeah. When you go into SEC country and, and beat anybody, you've done something good. And, and I think Tennessee is going to be better than they were last year. I think the quarterback is legit. I think the, the money they spent on those coordinators means a lot. Um, USC is always USC. Yeah, they may have underachieved, but this should be a bounce-back year for them. It's an important year for Clay Helton. Daniels is a real deal of quarterback. The wide receiver crew is scary good in terms of talent. And then Chris Peterson's got it going at Washington. And we all know that Utah is you know legit. What are they picked to win the Pac-12? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you're any good, it's going to show up in those first four games. Then you can start thinking about, well, what, just how good can this team be? But let's see how this first four, uh, four weeks go for sure. Greg Rebell with us on BYU Sports Nation. Going into fall camp, what are your top two storylines specific to BYU? How soon does Zach Wilson look like he's Zach Wilson again. Like, like, look, look, he's full go. And I guess we have to also consider the fact that when he last played, he wasn't maybe full go. He was playing injured as it was. But, uh, yeah, how soon will it look that he's got, you know, kind of the reins off? And, and there's always going to be that temptation, uh, I think, quarterbacks with that injury to maybe um, go faster than they should, quicker than they should, and just how quick they will let him do that, I guess, becomes a question. So that, that's a big one. Um, and then uh, – uh, I just want to see um, how the running back reps get uh, get parceled out a little bit because I really do think that Lopini Katoa is legit on his own. I think it's great they've added depth with uh, with Tyson and with and with Emmanuel Supa coming in, but I, I think Lopini Katoa kind of earned a right to be considered a go-to guy last year. We didn't necessarily maybe see him, you know, at, at, at his full uh, prominence. Uh, he only played 11 games and, and had some injuries and wasn't a starter for for all those games he played. But BYU loved to get him the ball. And when he got the ball, he made good things happen. Had a really good touchdown to touch rate. And so uh, how, how, how the running back situation sorts itself, I think, will be uh, sorts itself out. will be interesting to see. And then also maybe if I could throw a third in, uh, and these are all offensive. I, I know that, you know, defense should not be ignored. Uh, but I, I think defensively they'll be, they've proven they can be solid, right? I think in, if you take out the 2017 year, BYU is ex- do. We've ex- it. expected yeah. to have a top 25, you know, total defense, scoring defense type mentality. I think they've got that that schematic uh, uh, mindset down. But the third thing offensively would be um, how tight that wide receiver receiver group becomes, or rather, how yeah. compact that 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 rep formation becomes. Um, if go to guys really emerge, you got a tight group of guys that way. I'm wondering about the receivers, too, because the last, I guess, Tanner Mangum wasn't the same dude. And, and so the play from that position wasn't quite what we were hoping. 
for a year and a half there. And then we saw some progress uh, through the air a little bit with Zach Wilson, right? So perhaps the switch at quarterback changed that. We, we'll see. Zach Wilson said, um, I believe on media day, that he wants to score on every drive. No doubt. Who doesn't, right? Um, BYU was ranked in the 50s in points per drive play, offensive efficiency. How much of an improvement do you expect this year in that regard? Well, they should improve if they're better where they want to be, which is in explosive plays. Explosive plays will help all those numbers you just mentioned. And that's one of the things they really want to focus on this year is more chunk plays. Um, Not not that you're going to disregard establishing the run, but they need to be a little more explosive than they were. And, And we talk about receivers, wide receivers. We can't ignore that the main receiver has been a tight end the last couple of years. That's okay. Uh, BYU's had leading receivers be the tight end, and they've been really good in those years, not, in, not, not too recently, too. So um, I'm okay with Matt Bushman being the guy because he's the guy you want to have the ball in his hand. In fact, if, I think he needs to be even utilized more than he has been. Yes. Um, and, and, so, uh, and he's a guy that, as a tight end, was averaging, what, 16 to 18 yards a catch last year. Led the so, nation among tight ends. So he can be explosive yeah. from his position. And why, you know, here's something to think about. BYU may not have a lot of mismatches at running back, they may not give you a lot of mismatches at wide receiver, but they do give you a mismatch at tight end. You have to exploit that, obviously, right? They, and they know that. Uh, why would you not want to go to that guy? Because he's the one area on, uh, on the field where he does give you a major offensive mismatch. Um, and Jeff Grimes just raves about Matt Bushman's ball skills. And, and um, you don't have to be the world's greatest blocker to be a really productive tight end. And, and, and there are a lot of really productive NFL tight ends that aren't blocking machines, but they are pass-catching machines, and they help you win games. And I, I look forward to that from Matt. Greg Rebell, the voice of the Cougars, with us on BYU Sports Nation. Who is your fall camp MVP frontrunner at this point? Because it's watch list season. This is a big deal wow. for us. Is We always name a fall camp MVP. We, in fact, we made a watch list for this. Really? Do you want to know who's on it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's who's on it. Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, Matt Bushman, Lapini Katoa, Tyson Williams, Gunnar Romney, Zane Anderson, Dine Kawulaku. That's our watch list. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go uh, one offensive guy and one defensive guy. I'll go Bushman Tonga. Oh, okay. Ooh, Tonga. Okay. Not on your watch list, it's by the way. It's harder in fall camp to see the value right. of the line. But, but, but you can still, you can still blow it. up enough stuff and clog up enough holes <laughs> to be noted. And so I, I'll, I'm, I'm going to watch uh, Kyrus Tonga in, in fall sure. camp. Hope he has And yeah. Health, 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 health. You just cannot have enough of it on a football team. And, and it's the worst thing to hear about injuries in Falk. It's the worst thing to hear training camp injuries that, that are significant, keep guys out for weeks or seasons. It's the worst. I, I just you know, always hope and pray that, that they can get through a camp healthy at the most important spots. So, yeah, I just hope for health. There's one position who's always the front runner in the fall camp MVP, though. It's the backup quarterback because the starter is expected to be solid. And then the, if the backup does anything, we go, hey, look at it. So Jaron Hall is the front runner in my mind. And it's interesting to see the coaches have been kind of hinting at, yeah, let's find a way to use him and whatnot. I guess I'm a little nervous in that he's one play away. He needs to be ready, right, uh, and focused on that. Yet he's too good of an athlete perhaps not to use in some other capacity. How do you feel about it? Well, I, I – I first and foremost want uh, the number one guy to be the number one guy as long as he's healthy and productive. And, and, and Jaron Hall's time will come at some point. And, and not everybody uh, ha- has had three or four years as a starting quarterback at BYU. We've had some really good ones have just two and sometimes just one. Um, 
But uh, I, I, I never want to see a guy ascend to a spot because the guy ahead of him got hurt if the guy ahead of him is really good and deserved that spot to begin with. Um, but I just think it's, it's not a bad problem to have to have two athletes of that caliber at the same position right now. Um, I, I know Jaron will be ready if he's called upon, but I hope Zach Wilson's ready to be the guy because we saw how special he could be last year. Yeah. The Yukon Huskies recently went independent in college football, and an idea was put out there from The Athletic this morning that – they could probably show up on BYU schedules because it makes sense. But maybe BYU leverages not just a football game, but gets some basketball games sure, in yeah. there as well. What do you think the possibility is of seeing UConn on future football and basketball schedules for BYU, given the Huskies' current situation? Well, I think, I think it'd be a pretty easy deal to do, wouldn't you guys? It, you know, to say if you want to get us on the football schedule, let's work a, a basketball deal too. Um, I don't know why, why UConn would be opposed to it by any stretch. It'd be great to get out there and play that program. Um, that's a basketball program, right? Men's and women's. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, it, fantastic. Unfortunately, BYU appears to be booked the next two seasons, 20 and 21, and then 22 has like one spot. So I don't know how long UConn's going to be independent, but it'd be awesome. Well, yeah, and it could be, a, I mean, it, it could be kind of a longish haul because where would they go, right, um, from where they are right now? You'd almost have to drop down back to where they were almost. I, I don't know that, that if they join a conference at this, at this rate. Yeah, TBD, is, is right? Is that the vibe that, that they would – Join somebody else? At some point, I I wonder. Yeah. Mm. In in football, uh, who knows, right? BYU's doing it. Can UConn sustain it? I don't know. Um, Matt Bushman was on the Walter Camp watch list. That's a notable one, and it's 40 players. That's top player, right? Yeah. Top overall player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we were like, hey, that's pretty cool. One of two tight ends, one of 40 players in the country to do that. Um, I know the watch lists are what you want to make them, but that seems like a significant preseason nod to Matt Bushman. That's great. Yeah, it shows just uh, just how impactful he can be. Uh, and you know, now he's one of those guys. I mean, after college, in college, you are eligible after your junior year, uh, you know, to to, to, to hit, hit the NFL draft. I'd love to have Matt for four years, um, but um, he's the kind of player that I, th- I think has uh, you know probably some pro potential, and these kind of things only help him. Yeah. Greg, it's great to talk to you, man. Yeah, here we go. I can't believe it. We're, we're one month away from a game. And to Jeremy's point, tomorrow. when the interview began, we're talking about practice. Which is more than not talking about practice. Yeah, I like right? it. Like, yeah. Actual I'm practice. In. I'm in. Yeah. Actual practice. Tomorrow we'll be there. So. All right, man. Awesome. We look forward great to it. Great time. Yeah, we'll do a lot more of this, I'm sure. Okay. Greg. See you guys. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Well, what do you know? QB1 for BYU football making headlines once again. And he revealed a quote quite a while back. We saw it in an article from Salt Lake Tribune and Jay Drew yesterday saying, and I quote, shoot, I expect to score on every drive. Jerem. Is it a realistic expectation for BYU to score on every drive? I can't believe I'm actually asking you this question, but no. let's do it. This is one of the dumbest questions we've ever asked. Yes. Is it realistic to expect them to score on every drive? No. What, are we stupid? No. No, but it's, it's okay that he says it. Yeah. Expect, you expect to be great. Do I expect to miss a single shot when I, when I shoot in basketball? I'm, I'm expecting that ball to go in. If it doesn't go in, I'm not shocked. But I'm expecting the ball to go in. That's fine. Whatever. BYU ranked in the 50s last year in points per drive and whatnot, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. In 2018, BYU ranked in the 50s in points per drive, points per play, and offensive efficiency. Okay. So I think BYU probably needs to get into the 40s. 
uh, and maybe the high 30s to expect to win eight-plus games. Um, BYU needs to be more explosive. BYU needs to be better on first down. BYU needs to throw on first down a little more. I think I've given the receivers a bit of a hard time, and it's not been completely their fault. Partially, sure. But let's talk about it. Tanner Mangum, for a year and a half, uh, was and he was hurt part of 2017, but just wasn't good enough. That team wasn't good enough, right? And then the first part of 2018 with the new offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, BYU was kind of slow out of the gate, right? Um, BYU started to do some nice things the back half of the schedule with Zach Wilson where he got more comfortable. The coaches got more comfortable with Zach. I think BYU won't score on every drive. Shocker! But I think that they'll score on more drives than they did last year, which is the goal. Well, what do you want him to say, people? What do you want the quarterback to say? Ah, uh, well, you know, I think we're really hopeful that um, we can score on some drives and be uh, pretty good. He chose what? to say every drive, though. He didn't have to. Well, what, what do you want him to say? Do you want him to run up there and be like, well, we're probably not going to score on this drive, but... That's kind of a superlative, though. He went to a superlative. Yeah, I expect... Well, he he I- could say, listen... We expect to be much, much better. He didn't have to quantify it. He chose to quantify it with something. Well, I have zero issue with him saying, I am confident, and I expect that we will go and score on every drive. You should expect that. Why are you playing if you don't go out there and expect to do something good, given the opportunity? It's like you said, when you shoot the shot, you expect to make it. I don't declare to everyone that that's my expectation. You just though. did. No. You just did on Be- the air. Because it's a topic we're discussing. I didn't bring it up independently. I don't know what the question he was asked. Whatever. They're not going to score on every drive. But if they score on more drives than last year, fantastic. Will they score on every drive? No. But should you expect to go out there and do something productive and good what he said. every he said time? Score. You should expect to score every time you go out on the field. Why are you playing if you don't expect that? Like, I, this, is, this seems normal. I don't know why people are having such a hard time with this. It is normal to expect it. It's not normal to say it. Why? Well, what's the difference? Why does it matter? Because you don't have to say. The, why does it matter? Uh, I think it, it obviously matters to you. You're getting riled up about it. Right? Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, I, I am. I'm, <laughs> you're telling me that if there's this big difference between saying it. Yeah. And I, you don't thinking have, it, you don't have to. You don't have to say all of your major goals out loud um, to everybody uh, per se. You can say them to yourself, those closest to you, right? If you say all of your goals all the time, it's like, okay, now I know too much about you. There's, there's, it's good to have mystery. Like in horror films, you don't reveal uh, the the terrible character, the the monster. You, there needs to be some mystery there, right? It's. He said it. Whatever. And they're not going to score in every drive. It's a it's a faulty goal and expectation. It's a it's a good attitude. Sure. Yeah. 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 Whatever. I, Who cares? I, I, this I, is this is probably the dumbest question we've ever asked on this program. <laughs> in f- how many episodes? Sixteen hundred. We're getting there. Is it real? No. Come on. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We welcome in our first guest of this Friday show with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. We've been talking about disruptors and how prominent they have been to BYU success. Well, listen to this. 
Brian Keel and Jan Jorgensen are the last BYU football Cougars to record sacks in back-to-back games against Utah, 2006-2007. What do those two years against Utah have in common, Jason? Um, dubs? Wins. Uh, yeah. That is correct. Does BYU need a disruptor? Absolutely. And just maybe that's the secret for BYU beating Utah as a guy that can get to the quarterback. Brian Keel on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline with us. Brian, uh, thank you for providing us with our stat of the day and fodder for the offseason. How are you, man? Thank you. Hey, you know what? I appreciate you guys putting out that Uncle Rico moment there and talking about uh, the good old days, so I, so I wouldn't have to do it. Thank you. <laughs> it's the least we could do. Hey, the last time I saw you, you uh, were at your at Lagoon with your family. I'm glad you survived the roller coasters, my friend. Uh, has your head stopped spinning yet? Oh, man. The older I get, the more I realize I am not cut out for that life. My poor kids, they got a dad who gets sick on the rides. It was a fun day, though. <laughs> what's the one that goes straight down? What's that, what's that one called? Cannibal. Oh, Cannibal. Did you do Cannibal? I did. It's, it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much that scares Brian Keel, but I can get on board with that one, man. Uh, I know that you're definitely not scared of Utah, and you have made it very, very public of your disdain for the eight-game losing streak and just with BYU having lost in so many almost unthinkable ways, like the most torturous ways, including last year up 27-7 with a few minutes left in the third quarter only to watch Utah come back. What's the secret to beating Utah this year, Brian? Please tell us. Oh, man, I, <laughs> I wish I had that secret sauce, dude. If, if I did, I'd be, I'd be down there in Provo shaking it on all those guys. Um, I don't know. There's so many things um, that we just haven't done correct that have given us the, so many L's in so many ways in so many years. And last year was, was absolutely the worst. Um, I mean, you, you go back to that game a couple years ago where we, we have a chance, you know, a two-point conversion and we're, we're a yard short of beating them. And that was, that was heartbreaking. But that, that game last year, I mean, it, that, that tore a piece of my soul out that I just I don't think I'll ever get it back. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I, I, I just – when I, I looked at us in that game, and um, historically, Utah just shows up more than we do. I think that's – I don't know if that's a secret or whatever. I just – we just got to show up. They've done it. We haven't. And our guys, I don't know what they're doing in practice that week. I don't know if they're – here's the thing. It's not just another game. It's not. And uh, regardless of what Utah says, they don't treat it like just another game. And they've outperformed us for a decade now, and – I'm sick of it, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. That's the only thing I could, could describe, describe it. What is your biggest question mark for this BYU team right now? Uh, probably identity. Like, who, who are we going to be? Uh, last year, it started off with just so much promise. And, you know, we beat Arizona. Um, we, we really had a chance to beat Cal at home, and then, and then we beat – um, we beat Wisconsin on the road, and and then you contrast that to a stinker seven six home loss to Northern Illinois. Um, you know, only put six points on the board, and then you know we we blow it at Boise. Should have absolutely one hundred percent should have won that game, and then the Utah game absolutely one hundred percent should have went won that game, and 
And so I just, it just, and then also the ugly loss at home to Utah State, and you know they've beaten us. What is it, two out of three now? Yeah. yeah. Um, so to me, it's just it's an identity thing. Like, who are we going to be? And, and you know, if I was in that locker room, that's what I'd be concerned about. Um, are, are are we the the third? You know, the third stooge in the state of Utah is that who our identity is? We have you know, in recent years, losing records to both Utah and Utah State. And, you know, is, is that who our identity is? And I, I just, if I was in that locker room, I just, I would not be pleased with that. I wouldn't be accepting of that. I, I mean, I just, this offseason, if I was in that, on that team still, I mean, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I would have gone to work just angry, not even hungry, but angry every single day, every single meeting, every single Bench press rep every single wind sprint everything I did I would have just done it angry because that's you know the facts are facts that's where we are are at right now and so my question this year is are these kids going to accept that identity? What is the secret sauce and you use that terminology for beating Utah to establishing a team's identity? Does that start with the coaches or is it more on the players and leaders evolving and developing in fall camp? You know, I think a lot of it is a mindset, and I think it's it's kind of having a, a mindset of, you know, it starts with believing and understanding that you belong, and and it's, and it's expecting to win. And, um, you know, I I think I've said this on the show before, but I, I can't remember. I, my, mind, my mind fails me. But, you know, I go back um, a couple games I've played in, you know, two games, um, so the first one was um, in 006 at Boston College. Um, we're out there at Boston College, and um, we ended up losing that game. I think it was double overtime. Yeah. And we missed field goal. I think we missed like three what could have been game-winning field goals, something like that. Um, so, I mean, I absolutely had every chance to win that game. But at halftime, I remember, I'll never forget this, um, Right, right when we came at halftime, you know, Bronco kind of yelled at us, and the thing he said was, "Quit acting surprised that you're ahead right now." And um, it just kind of struck me because we were ahead in the game, and it was kind of like the team was surprised, like, "Oh, well, wow, look at this!" You know, we we can play with these guys, <laughs> yeah. and um, you know, and that that's a bad. You don't want that. That shouldn't be a surprise. You should be in every single game have the absolute expectation that we're going to win this game. We're going to execute. We're going to do what we do. We're going to do it better than them. We're going to hit them in the mouth, and we're going to be ahead when the game's over. And, um, you know, coming back to Utah, I think that's, that's the thing that's kind of been lacking is that expectation. And, you know, you, I, I, I bet there were guys on the team last year who were surprised that we had a 20-point lead with, you know, minutes left in the third quarter. And, and absolutely dominate them for the first half of the game. And I bet there are guys on the team that were surprised by that, and, and you can't have that. You just have to have a killer instinct and an expectation. I don't care who's across from me. I'm going to hit you in the mouth. Former BYU and NFL linebacker Brian Keel joining us on the Desert First Credit Union hotline. We're talking in our last segment about defensive disruptors and I went with Kyrus Tonga. Spencer went with Zane Anderson. Who, in your opinion, has the potential to be the defensive disruptor this year? Um, those are both great picks. Um, Tonga, you know, is probably the most physically—not probably. I mean, he is the most physically dominating guy on the team. 
And, you know, being so close to the ball, he has a chance. That, you know, that's the thing about a guy at that position. You know, you're so close to the ball, you, you do have a chance. And disruptor is the word. You can absolutely affect every single snap. Um, if you're like, you know, say you're, a, you, and you contrast that, if you're a shutdown corner, um, you, can, you can absolutely affect the game and you can shut down your side of the field, but you don't disrupt what the offense is trying to do on every snap, even regardless. I mean, you could be the best corner in the world, but just by the nature of your position, you, you can't affect change on every single play. But a position like that, you know, you're right over the ball. Um, you absolutely can, can do that. And so, you know, he's, he's probably the front runner for that, for that role this year. And, you know, he just he eats humans. And I would like to see him just <laughs> unleash every single game this year and just, you know, just blow by whoever's trying to block him and get in the backfield and just wreak havoc. Now, it's interesting that the stat we pointed out of you and Jan Jorgensen being the last players to have sacks against Utah in back-to-back years, and both of those games, BYU ended up winning. In fact, I think the last time BYU had a few sacks, more than one sack against Utah, if if that's been the case, they've won four of the last five against the Utes. Um, What has to happen? Is it stunt blitzes? Is it Kairos Tonga? Is is he the key? Is it scheme? Like, where does this start so that BYU can get some more pressure on Tyler Huntley and and Utah and their passing attack? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I, you know, pressure. You have to pressure to get sacks, and um, you know, it's obviously I'm a defensive guy, and you know, I like getting after the quarterback, and um, I I would like to see us pressure more. I know they have, you know, they, they see things I don't, and I'm not there all the time. And um, it's easy for me to armchair quarterback because I don't know everything about the game plan that they have going on. But that being said, I just in general, you know, over, over the last couple of years, I, I think we, we should pressure more. And um, pressure, pressure leads to sacks. You get out. It's hard. It's hard, very hard to get home with three and four man rushes. It's really hard. It, you can do it. It's just hard. Um, and that doesn't mean you're sending five or six every play and just, you know, rolling the dice, riverboat gambling. But I, I think, you know, you get a healthy mix. I'd like to see us, you know, mix that up a little higher and bring pressure and you're going to get home and, and sacks, they do sacks win football games. You look in the NFL, you look at the guys who get paid, obviously the quarterback, um, who gets paid on defense. It's, it's Von Miller. It's Khalil Mack. It's um, Aaron Donald. And, and what do those guys do? They get to the quarterback. And, you know, so the, that's, the, that's what changes games. And so to beat Utah, to beat anybody, you got to get after the quarterback. Brian, one of the other conversations we were having to uh, begin the show is what side of the ball will be more dominant? What side of the ball do you think will be the more dominant side for BYU? The offensive side, defensive side? Where are you going? Um, that's a good question. I think, I mean, the easy bet would be defense. Um, you know, I'm biased. I played defense and we, we have some good guys there. Um, but, you know, I, I, I would love to see us get back to the BYU of old. We have the guy under center who can do it. I mean, he's, he's the real deal. To do what he did, I, you know, the average person, the average football fan, they don't – you can't understand how impressive what he went out there and did as a true freshman was at the quarterback position. I mean, it's hard enough – to come in as a true freshman, you played high school football the year before at any position and, and get on the field and start and affect change. It's hard enough at any position, but at quarterback, I mean, that is just, that's next level stuff. And 
this kid, he is, he's the real deal. Um, so, so impressed with him. Just so pleased to have him. And I, I just, you know, I, I think he could, he could bring us back to those glory days when, you know, we're scoring 40 points a game. Brian, it's great to catch up with you, man. We always appreciate your passion and your opinion. Let's do it again soon, uh, and uh, hopefully we're discussing a different tune after this year's version (laughs) of the BYU-Utah game. Yes, victory. That's what it's going to be, my guys. Which happens in how many days? Countdown to the Utes. 31 days. Technically a month. A month away. Yeah, It's a month away from college football. I saw a promo over the weekend from ESPN that said, 28 days away, whatever the first college football game they played. It's a week before right. BYU. Yeah, college football in 28 days. And it was yeah. just fans jumping around in the stands and music. And I was like, <laughs> this is effective. Well, how bored are they that they're promoting something in a full month? You know what I mean? <laughs> but we're all in. 30 days. 30 days away. We said essentially a month yesterday. Now it's just straight up a month away. 30. Let's go. 30 days. Let's go. Shout out to Brian Mitchell. Former number 30. 29 days. 29 days away. Tomorrow's the day of the month they play the game. Love it. August. We're almost there, man. I know. We're almost there. I know. We're be at practice today. Very excited about that. 28 days. Four weeks from today. Number 28, Pete Van Valkenburg. Can we talk about him for a sec? Yes, please. In 1972, he led the nation in rushing from BYU. Pete Van Valkenburg. Now, this is ironic because BYU had just implemented their drop-back pass attack. No, they would the next year. They obviously didn't if they had the nation's, nation's leading rusher. The next year, they bring in this JC kid named Gary Shidey. So when Gary comes on a recruiting visit, they say, yeah, we're going to put in this passing attack. He goes, really? I'm seeing you got this guy that's leading the country in rushing. <laughs> Are you serious? Uh, your boy, Gary Shady wins the Sammy Boff for best quarterback the next year. Incredible. How about that? Drafted by my Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. What's up, Gary? Yeah. 27. 27 days away. We are under four weeks away from BYU opening up the season at home against the 15th-ranked Utah Utes. That, according to the latest coaches poll. Stay up to date with The Countdown. Every weekday on BYU Sports Nation, on BYU TV, and BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now in Studio B, fresh off her tour of the world, if you will, with the under-20 USA women's volleyball team is Heather Knighting, back for BYU Volleyball. Welcome, Heather. What's up, Heather? Excited to be here. First time in studio, right? Yeah, that's my, it's my first time, yeah. We didn't have you in the entire season last year, and you were the <laughs> national freshman. That's, a, that's our bad. Is it, or is it your bad. fault because you had class? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you go to class? Yeah, I know. Okay, you're just back uh, with Team USA, and we've been asking a bunch of your teammates, Mary Lake and Kennedy Eschenberg, mm-hmm. what this experience does for you individually as a volleyball player. What, what was the best thing that happened to you to help you progress as a volleyball player with playing with Team USA? So I think the best thing, it was just, it was really like just a different experience. Like we were thrown in with a bunch of different people, and like we had to like on the fly like problem solve and just all this stuff and you're playing with such amazing players and just um it gave me a lot of confidence and like just knowing like we're good here at BYU and like all of my teammates they're out there like Kennedy and Mary they're playing out with different people too and um I just it gave me a lot of confidence and it's I just 
what we have here at BYU and our coaching staff is just as good as like anything out there. So did it did it validate the program in a way where you go and you hang out with uh, you know everyone from Texas and Stanford and Nebraska and whatever? <laughs> yeah, like you know what we can hang. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah, know it was cool. Like because the coach for the junior national team under twenty was the Texas coach. Jared Elliott, and so it was just kind of cool. Like I just, we just played them, and like just beating them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, it was cool just um, seeing what his coaching style was like, and just comparing it like to ours and stuff like that. So, this BYU women's volleyball team has understandably high expectations after so many Sweet Sixteens in a row, and going to the Final Four, and having this magical year in 2018. You lose Ronnie Jones Perry. You lose your outstanding setter, Lindy Haddock Epic. What's the biggest question mark for this team as you move forward into 2019? I think we just need to just find um, who's going to want to fill those roles. And like Heather and the rest of the coaches will know um, who wants to perform and they'll be ready. And so I just have confidence in our coaches and the rest of our players that anyone will be ready to play. And so I'm excited to see how we do and just I hope we start. I know we will start um, very good off. So, yeah, Mary Lake was on the uh, Volleyball Nations League gold medal winning team with the senior team. Um, Does she have like topper status among all of you since she played with the top team (laughs) on the team? Like if she needs something, do you have to do it now since she's on (laughs) the senior national team? I still haven't seen her since she left. Like, she came back for a few days, but I was gone. You don't know the new Mary? And so I'm the like... gold medal Mary? <laughs> gold medal Mary. But, <laughs> she's changed yeah, no. so much, Heather. I'm like, she's hanging out with all these Olympians. I'm like, wow. <laughs> she might be on the Olympic team. I know. Knows, it's right? really cool. It's, it's really cool. cool. And she's so humble about it. I just... Yeah, she's I, really I wish cool. you'd just be a little less humble about it. That's what I really... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What did you enjoy more, um, Japan or Mexico, on your two trips? Um, so both of them were kind of different. So when we went to Japan, we were just scrimmaging, um, like, the Japanese teams that they had there. And so I feel like it was a little more, like, low-key. Like, it wasn't like a tournament. Like, we have to win, da, 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 all this stuff. And, like, we wanted to win a lot. And so. And Heather was your coach. And Heather was my coach. And so it was very, like, um, um, like easy, like, natural for me. And so not, like... New group, new coach, just it was kind of crazy in Mexico, but like super good growing experience. And so I liked both, and they're both really different. So I'm glad that I did both. What was the most memorable thing you experienced outside of volleyball in Japan and Mexico? Um, so in Japan, we would go and eat with the Japanese teams that they had there. And so we would just like sit down, like it was either before or after we played, and just like we couldn't really talk to them. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> but why we not? Just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so we would just like try like use a Google Translate. But, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> there were apps where you can talk into it, and then you put it up to them and make them listen. Yeah, it was it was cool. Like I was like I've never had this experience, like just interacting with other yeah. people. No more Tower of Babel situation. You, we can actually <laughs> yeah. figure it out. How right? was the food, by the way? Oh, it was very, very interesting. Yeah, both like places. Yeah, but it was good. Like, That's awesome. Um, so, you, so your dad Tom played at BYU in the eighties. When, when was uh, basketball? Yeah. When, when was BYU going to be the school you attended? When did that? When did that happen? So I feel like I always kind of like knew I wanted to go to BYU, but then once I started like going through the recruiting process and like oh like talking to all these other like. Um, colleges and just like oh like I could go play anywhere I kind of really wanted and um but I just knew like 
BYU would be a good place for me besides just volleyball. And um, I just have always loved it here. My parents have loved it. And so I knew it would be a great place for me. So. Who came in second? Yeah, yeah. I'm always intrigued by this. <laughs> um, probably Utah. Utah came yeah. in second. That's where we hope That's they always <laughs> go, in second. Right. Yeah. When you were in the final four last year, did you feel like you made the right decision, Heather? Oh, definitely, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've never seconded my decisions. How, how tall is your mom? My mom's 5'10". Okay. So, so she's, she's tall. Yeah. And your dad's what? 6'10". 6'10", 5'10". And you're 6'4"? Six, 6'4", four? Six, four, You six, split five. the difference. Okay. Yeah. You split the difference. I do. This may sound dumb, but hear me out. Were you always tall, or was there a point where you had a huge growth spurt? I feel like I was always super tall. My older sister, that's only two years older than me, she's like six foot, and we were always kind of like the same height growing up, and then I started passing her, and mm-hmm. so I've always been pretty tall, yeah. And, and I want to mention that um, in high school, you played with Sarah Hampson. I did. Your, that's, that is a huge <laughs> block. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. You win the pregame every game. Yeah, you walk in, and they're like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, four foot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Heather Knighting with us on BYU Sports Nation. Outstanding player for BYU Women's Volleyball, the National Freshman of the Year. Who's the next freshman that will step up and surprise BYU volleyball fans this season on your team? You know, we have a lot of freshmen coming in. We have a lot of pins, um, some DSs, and then a setter. And so everyone has, like, super good potential, and I'm super excited. Um, I think... Um, Kate Grimmer will do pretty good. We haven't had like a re- outside, I mean, a right side that we've recruited. And she committed when I did. She was like a freshman or something. And so uh, I'm excited to see how like she does and like if she fulfills her role or whoever comes in and just shows like they want to play. And so I'm excited to see how they come in and do. And I want them to do really well. Well, the season starts, is it one month from today? Is it August 30th? Is that? Yeah. I think that's, yeah, yeah. our first game. Boys Friday. The BYU <laughs> Friday, August Nike 30th, Invitational. Yes. Yes. So. And a uh, bunch of matches on BYU TV, BYU TV app this year. So that'll be exciting. Well, thanks for coming in. Let's give you the BYU Sports Nation karma. Good luck with camp, which starts on the 9th. Yes. Please Thank sign you. our flag. All right. Mind signing for sure. This? Awesome. Thanks. Okay. Heather Knighting. Can you imagine you're playing at, like, Lone Peak, no. and you're going to play Pleasant Grove, and in comes Heather Knighting and Sarah Hampson. Six, oh, man. seven, six, Crazy. five. I can't imagine doing it now. Good luck. Alone. Yeah. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Jerem, lead us off with your first fall camp bold prediction. One, the offense will look fantastic. Second year with Grimes, we were just talking about. Second year with Wilson, influx of quality running backs, we think. The wide receivers will improve. I think Gunnar Romney will pop. And the offensive line will be beastly. I think the offense is going to really stick out. Okay, so you, you say they will look fantastic. How fantastic do they have to be for it to be bold? Like, are I, I don't you know be, how to quantify it. Are going to be wowed? <laughs> yeah, we'll go, oh, the offense is looking good. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Number two, Jaron Hall will look awesome, and the conversation will be stirred a little bit about his role. I think we'll look at him physically and go, whoa. And then, two, we'll see him play and run around and go, okay, yeah, we got to use this guy somehow. Hey, so He's too good. Jaron Hall and Tyson Williams and Emmanuel Supa are going to be the three guys that are talked about in terms of, oh, he just looks like a physical specimen beast. Those guys, that's going to that's happen today. 
Like, those three yeah. guys are just, like, they look huge. They look cut. You know what I want to happen today but won't? I want the coaches to be like, this guy came in 20 pounds You're overweight. You're out of shape. This you guy, look terrible. This guy didn't put in the work. This guy gained 15 <laughs> pounds, but it was all fat. They, it's always muscle. Always muscle. Pure, undefiled, concentrated muscle. Yeah, okay. It's what? Seriously? Yeah. I, it's not going to happen, but I wish it yeah. would. And I'll, I'll be part of it. These th- these are my top three oh. guys that look like a football oh, yeah. player. James Empey looks stout. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, my third one. Matt Bushman will be BYU's best offensive weapon. Ooh. He'll look just awesome. The ball will go up to him. He'll make these incredible catches like he did in the Utah game, and we'll go, yes, that guy's good. I think I, those are my three bold predictions. I don't know how bold these are. Yeah, that's but, the thing. I was just going to say, how bold are those bold well, predictions? I, I love fall camp, but I also don't like fall camp because <laughs> we're going to make too much out of – so here's what happens. They let the media watch like the final 20 minutes. What happened the other like hour 40? It's not public information. And, uh, yeah, we, we toe the line of what we're going to tell you and what we're not, right, because we work for the man. Yes, so, yes. What happened in the previous 140 is not indicative of what happens in the final 20, so it's always a little tricky. So that's why we're going to do interviews and get information and share what we can with you about what's really going on. Jim, this is what we do. We make rash generalizations. I know. A snippet it's of awesome, what is seen at fall camp. Super annoying. <laughs> I want Cougar Board to do, have that role, not us. Okay, I think my bold predictions are actually kind of bold. Number one, BYU will name a starting quarterback by week two of Wait, training camp. Don't they have a starting quarterback? They haven't named it. What do you mean they haven't named they it? They haven't named you their don't starting need to quarterback. name it if you understand who you, you have, think. Right? Do you we, feel like they need to? Think, we all thought it was Tanner Mangum. Hands down, it wasn't close no, last no, year going into the into camp. No, no, no. They, they said there's like a it, – it's not the same situation as last year. They are hesitant to name a quarterback until – like they want the competition to exist, do they not? Well, in theory, but Zach Wilson just went 18 for 18 in a bowl I game. I understand There's that, no but competition. He's, he's also maybe not 100%. We don't know. So, oh, I just wh- think it's weird. They, Zach Wilson's the guy who's questioning this. Why would you take away the, com- the competitive factor from Jaron Hall? Where it's like, you hey, don't, but it's understood. It. Go out and earn it. Yes, we all think it's understood. Okay. <laughs> That's like saying will Jake Wilson's not going to be a starter. Will they name it? <laughs> will they name the starting quarterback? Will they say, undoubtedly today, Zach Wilson is the starting quarterback? Well, if asked, maybe, yeah. But will let's they come ask, out? And- let's ask the question Is Zach Wilson the starter? Is he? Who asked that? Yeah, let's straight up. Is he the starter? I'm not asking. I think it's understood. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think it's as understood as you are presenting it to be. Okay, it's. Do any of you think that Zach Wilson's not the starter? When Taysom Hill came back, we what did we not all think Taysom Hill's the starter? But they still waited to to name the starter. I feel like the situations were different. Uh, is it different? Zach's coming off of an injury. Jaron Hall hasn't thrown a pass for BYU in a game. How is this a question? <laughs> I don't, he's had like two carries for like me. negative two yards. You tell me. if it's, He's not if the it's, starter. It's 100% that Zach Wilson, according to the coaches today, is the starter. Like, I hope somebody I didn't even think question. this would be a question okay? to ask. They'll na- what I'm saying is they will go on the record and declare, which I think is against BYU's style. They will declare by week two, he is the guy. He's the guy. And we'll go... Uh, exactly. Why didn't no you job. tell us that? But BYU hasn't been known to do that until later in camp. It just had, that's not what they've done. Okay? Well, you, you, <sighs> Number two, Jake Oldroyd will be the starting kicker after fall camp. Okay? He will beat out Skylar Southam. That is my second bold prediction. 
Will he wear the neon cleats? No. It is a boulder. No, prediction. he will not wear the neon cleats. Cleat. But Jake Oldroyd, yeah. as a walk-on, will yeah. be the starting kicker after fall camp. I think that will happen as well. Do you uh, really? Yeah. Skylar Southam, we thought would be this dope kicker, boom, nailing stuff. You really can't make a 50-yard field goal to save hey, their life. Skyler did make a huge field goal against Wisconsin that proved to be the game winner. No doubt. No doubt. That was awesome. I need more than one thing. I need more than one thing. I need consistency. I need you to – he just – he wasn't as I'm, – I'm just really tired of these guys that we think they're going to be at a level and then they don't do it. Perhaps he will be in the final three years. Jake Oldroyd comes in off the bench to <laughs> nail a game winner against Arizona in the Cardinal St- University of Phoenix Stadium there. Um, and – and then he gets hurt against UCLA, attempting like a 52-yarder into the half, and then he just like disappears, and because a kicker, he's a kicker, we all go like, hey, where'd he go? Goes on his mission, he's back, he's a sophomore. Made he's a probably not on scholarship, by the way. He's probably a walk-on. Made a 42-yarder in Salt Lake City against Utah. I thought it was a, f- wasn't it 48 or 45? It was 45. It was 45. Yeah. Okay. No, he's, a, I, I like the idea of that. Go, go out and do it. You know what? The, one of the I've said this before. One of the big differences between Utah and BYU that doesn't get talked about is that they've had elite kickers and punters, and those change the game. Starting field position is a huge deal. Ask Gregor Bell. Starting field position when BYU uh, has it, they win like ninety percent of the games. Punter, kicker in these close games that BYU plays and and loses by one score or whatever, a field goal here or field goal there changes. A ton. And BYU has not had a game-changing kicker in a long time. Jake Oldroyd, starting kicker after fall camp, my second bowl prediction. And finally, Jerem, Troy Warner is going to steal the show on the BYU defense. He will be the fall camp defensive MVP. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's saying a lot. I know, right? That, now, that's the, probably the only bold prediction. <laughs> Out of the six that we've that's the only one that's actually It's hard bold. to do it in fall camp, right? Yeah, because it's practice, and we only see part of it. And even then, not every practice is made available to the media. It's like every other. Which, I mean, by the way, the whole idea of two-a-days, remember, oh, two-a-day, it's against the rules. You can't okay. have two practices in one day. One a day. NCAA has changed one that. a day, trying to protect the last athlete. couple of years. Yes, yeah, yeah. because there have been guys that have uh, died, right? Uh, too much heat and not enough water. It's like, what are we doing? This ain't, this ain't like Jack Lambert and the Steel Curtain in the 1970s. Things are different. Like, yeah, like settle down. Times are different. Things settle have down. Changed. Yeah, let's go. Okay, yeah, none of the, that was just the prediction segment, and one was bold. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Time for some reality television and radio right now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline as we welcome in one of our favorites, former BYU quarterback great Max Hall, who's won a ton of games. In fact, he's the winningest quarterback in BYU football history. Max, great to have you back on the show. Hey, guys, how you doing? That's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, that's nice. Hey, who did you like more when you played, Dennis Pitta or Austin Colley? Oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> don't do that to me. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Austin. Dennis, Dennis was kind of a, uh, yeah, you know, I can't say it on radio. But yeah, I, I like that answer. I like that answer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Fall camp starts today, and I know all of us are feeling that little twinge of energy because we're almost there, 29 days away from BYU Utah to open the season. As a player, Max, what is it like to come in and experience day one of fall camp? 
Um, for me, it was always, I mean, like you said, it's exciting. You kind of get a little bit of nerves, a little bit of butterflies. Everybody's kind of got that feeling of football starting. Um, you really get a chance to see what the team's going to look like, and guys are still kind of fighting for starting positions. And it's competitive. Uh, it's, it's just, it, it's fun, man. It's, uh, it's it's fun to see how fast, I mean, from an offensive perspective, you guys can click and get together and all the hard work you put in in the offseason and spend with the receivers and um, how that gels together. But sometimes it takes the offense a few days to get rolling, but um, it, the best thing is just that feeling, that finally football season. So that's what I love about it. In player run practices, you can see who's doing what and who's putting in the work and whatnot, but – when you get to fall camp those first couple of days, do you know who really put in the work and who didn't immediately just by the way they look? Um, well, I, the players know. Um, the players that they're putting in the work, they know when there's chemistry there that um, comes. Um, but, yeah, I think guys are more sharp. They're more crisp. They know what they're doing. They're on the same page. And um, you can definitely tell. I think the coaches can tell, too, within the – within the first couple days, um, who's ready to go and who's lying behind. Zach Wilson is the incumbent starting quarterback. You know what that's like to come back and and be the guy that is expected to take the reins and and go with it. Um, What kind of pressure is Zach Wilson feeling on his shoulders right now? You know, knowing Zach, I don't think he's feeling a lot of pressure. Um, I just think he's got got an attitude and a swag to him that uh, I would assume that he's more like – Let's finally, this is my show. Let's get this thing rolling and let me take this thing where it needs to go. So um, he's definitely got a confidence to him that I don't, I, I really don't think he's still in pressure. We need to get this thing going and show everybody what he can do. You're literally coming off the practice field. So, how did practice go this morning for your offense? We actually had a really good practice. So I was very pleased. On Monday, we had a really bad practice, and I was screaming and yelling at the kids. Which, <laughs> you know, I got Dennis Pitta and Tyler Kozlowski coach with me over oh, here. Boy. Sometimes they just laugh at me. Oh, boy. You know, it's, it's, it's like we're playing again. Dennis and Tyler are over there goofing around, and I'm having to tell them to shut up and be quiet, you know? It's, uh, I would happily do that for you. I need you. <laughs> is, I need you is, to Dennis, come down and, is Dennis there right now? Uh, he is. I think he just took off. Oh, a classic. He might still be over there. Should I, should I go grab him? Yeah. Have yeah, him yeah grab on? Dennis. I, I need to have a chat with him. <laughs> while you're walking right. to yeah, get him, Max. You're, while you're talking. While you're walking to get him, Zach Wilson said uh, to the Salt Lake Tribune in an interview that he, and speaking of confidence, expects to score on every drive. What do you think about a statement like that from a guy that is just heading into a sophomore season? I love it. Because I thought the same thing when I played, and you know, it's what I love about it is it's a mentality. What kind of mentality are you going to have every time the offense goes out there and gets the football? And that should be your mentality that we're going to score every time we get the ball. And um, I, I love it, man. It shows a lot of confidence from Zach and a lot of confidence with his teammates. So hopefully, they kind of feed off that and. Um, you know, they can roll with it, but that's exactly what you want your quarter, starting quarterback saying. How big of a uh, leap do you think the offense will take with year two of Jeff Grimes, year two of Zach? Now he knows he's the guy. Last year he was kind of competing with Tanner Mangum. Ultimately, Mangum won the job. Um, how much of a leap do you think the offense could take this year? 
Okay, hold on. I didn't hear that question because I'm calling Dennis over right now. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. Dennis Pitta is making his way over to Max yeah, Hall. Yeah. The two De- hanging De- out Dennis coaching football <laughs> <laughs> in Arizona as Max is live with us on BYU Sports Nation. Now, Max, uh, while Dennis makes his way over, I do want to ask you about the X's and O's factor with Zach Wilson. And Jeremy and I had a, a chance to sit down with Zach and film a commercial last week, and we, we essentially just had like a half an hour, an hour to talk and pick his brain. I, that dude loves football. Like, he's a really smart kid, and he gets good grades, but he cannot get enough football. Um, what have you noticed about your interactions with him and how his knowledge of the game has progressed since last year? Um, the, the little bit I know is I was able to spend some time with him in spring ball, and I was also able to spend some time with the coaching staff and get their input and uh just at that spring game we sat there and talked ball for probably an hour and i was actually really impressed with his knowledge of the game um i think he's a i think he's a film rat watches a lot of film studies the plays and then talking to a rod a rod's like man zach is texting me all the time asking me about plays everything down to releases and and mesh points and uh you know reads and all that so you're right i don't think he can get enough and um, he's definitely a football guy, and that's the type of guy we need right now. We need a guy who's all in, invested, and knows every detail of the offense. Um, that's the guy you want in control. You were on hey, the. Say hi to Dennis. Oh, Dennis, is, Dennis, Dennis is here. Real quick. Dennis. Hello, Jerem. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had time for Dennis Pitta today. How are you today, Dennis? You know, I do have to say, I am sick of you guys disrespecting me every segment at the end of the show. <laughs> what? We didn't have time. It's not funny, okay? <laughs> oh. De- Dennis, Max you... said you, you guys are dorking around. He's trying to run a practice on offense. He needs you to dial it in. What's going on? Yeah, I, I just am here. I'm, I'm talking to the kids. I'm just joking around with them. I'm always the one getting yelled at by Max at practice. <laughs> just he, indirectly, he directs it at the kids, but he's really talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis, you just stole the show, man. You just stole what? the show. Well, I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. What do, you, what do you mean he stole the show? He gets on one time and complains, and now he's stealing the show? <laughs> you know, he's back there He's back there chit-chatting with the guys. i got to turn around and be like, hey, can you guys be quiet for one second? And... We, need, we need last chance you with your team. Oh, That's what I want. Goodness. Yes. Listen, Max is just mad that I stole his thunder right now. I, <laughs> I feel bad. I'll get off the call. I'll let him finish. He needs his moment right now. Yeah, we've had our fill, Dennis. We're good, man. <laughs> hey, I'm, oh. I'm, so mad, I'm so mad right now because KSL came out with something like uh, rating top BYU players. Uh-huh. And I was eight, and they put Dennis and Austin in front of me. And I'm just like, who Boo. made that list? Who was, the winning, who was the winningest quarterback all time in BYU football history? Yeah, oh, Dennis goes to the Super Bowl, catches a touchdown, the lights go out. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm pretty sure I won just as many games as Max. They get credit for all the wins. That's true. I might be the winningest tight end in BYU history, yeah. and nobody's giving me credit for that. You're also the dude whose helmet fell off the most. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs>
Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this might be the greatest interview we've ever done on this BYU is, Sports yeah. Nation. It was really good up until a certain point. It was good, yeah. <laughs> you guys need to start calling me the winningest tight end in BYU. Because I've played every game that Max played. That's going to happen. I actually have a few wins he doesn't my freshman year. <laughs> that, that is true. That, that is going to happen. That is true. The winningest tight end in BYU history. <laughs> Dennis <Bitter>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Wow, wow, Dennis. I had I had one thing going for me, and now you just sold that. <laughs> We can share it together. <laughs> Holy cow. Hey, it's great to talk to you guys. Uh, Dennis, we'll let you go because we, uh, we, we have to ask Max at least one more important question. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> thanks, I think. <laughs> oh, Max. That's, uh, that's great stuff. All okay, right. let's, uh, let's finish with this. BYU opens the season against Utah. They are the Pac-12 preseason favorites they've never been in this position why or why not do you like that BYU is opening the season as an underdog at home against their arch nemesis uh what I like about it is that we've we when I I say we BYU has had that in their mind and have been practicing for that all off season um it kind of reminds me of uh my senior year when uh the first game of the season was Oklahoma it was like we had three months to prepare for that game and hopefully BYU is going to come out and give different looks and do some things that Utah is not prepared for. Obviously Utah is going to do the same, but I think um, it gives us a little bit of an advantage because they don't really know how to game plan for us and uh, we can maybe surprise them a little bit, but regardless, you never know what's going to happen in that game. And um, I think if we can create some big plays and do some things to confuse them, um, we're going to have a really good chance to win the game. I think we're, it's going to be hype. I think we're going to be excited. We're going to be healthy. That's another big thing and uh, gives us the best chance. Max, we appreciate the time, man. And uh, Listen, you're the winningest quarterback. You're the winningest quarterback. Before the winningest tight end, okay? <laughs> I, am, I am so depressed right now. I don't even know how to, I, <laughs> Max, thanks, man. Great to talk to you. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely, you guys. It's a pleasure. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.